and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Fox Trolls. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? Fox Trolls is a 2014 movie directed by Graham Enable and Anthony Stackey. Written by Irina Brugnow and Adam Pava. It stars Ben Kingsley, Isaac Hempstead-Wright, Al Fanning, Dee Bradley Baker, Jared Harris, Nick Frost, Richard Ayoade, Tracy Morgan, Simon Pegg. It just stars a lot of people. Um, it's produced by Leica Films, which is a company we've talked about in two other podcasts. We talked about Paranorman and we talked about Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot of Box Trolls, Paul? In the town of Cheesebridge, there are box trolls that come out at night. They are reported to have stolen a baby and eaten him alive. But it turns out they just uh, raise him as one of their own. The villainous Mr. Snatcher promises Lord Portly Rind that he will rid the town of box trolls if in exchange he can get a white hat a symbol of status. It turns out Mr. Snatcher has been spreading lies about the box trolls and the baby. He's kidnapped the baby's father, and that's why the box trolls took the baby for safekeeping. The baby grows up to be a boy named Eggs, who undoes Mr. Snatcher's villainous plots and brings the box trolls into the light of day with the help of his friend Winnie, Lord Portly Ryan's daughter. That's basically what happens in Box Trolls. I, gave, I, I spent a little more time on like the backstory than the movie does. The mm. actual plot of the movie is all about eggs. Yeah. Mostly eggs as a, like, what, 11, 12-year-old, mm-hmm. something like that. Eggs and Winnie, and they meet and foil Mr. Snatcher's plans. Yeah. So, in objective terms... How good a job is everyone doing on this movie? I'm going to maybe suggest a starting point, and that is animation. And It almost goes without saying that this is like animation. This is stop motion yeah. animation, and it's, once again, fantastic. Yeah. Leica, we could, uh, we could have conversations about some aspects of Leica. We are Leica fans. We basically mm-hmm. uh, have always been impressed with the quality of work on every Leica movie we've talked about. But the most obvious place that Leica shines is animation. Like, mm-hmm. it is just a very well-made, good-looking movie. Incredibly detailed. Yes. This is what they do. They do stop-motion animation with incredible detail like all the backgrounds all the foregrounds all the costumes all the faces everything is so precise yeah and and like beautiful beautifully constructed absolutely so animation eight thumbs up Mm -hmm. in terms of the quality like i don't have any even uh nitpick to say about the quality of the animation it's so good yeah it is amazing it's also i mean for me, watching Leica movies, and maybe this is getting a bit into the personal thing, but like part of even the reason I like them so much is knowing that they're animated in that way, that stop motion animation makes me know that everything I'm watching is miniatures. And I love 
<laughs> miniatures. And so it's fun to watch and think about that. And yeah. just think about the craft that went into it and how beautiful there's a little it post is. there's a little post credit scene in this movie mm-hmm. where the two two of the henchmen, Mr. Pickle and Mr. Something. Something. Oh, I can't remember. The bad one. Yeah. It's Richard Iwata and Richard Iwata and, and Nick and, Frost. Uh, Nick Frost. Uh, are talking about like You ever think about the universe, Mr. Trout? What if our world is just like a tiny speck? A tiny little speck. And there are giants looking down on us. And every time we move... It's actually them moving us. Seems a bit tedious. Like that. Just there. Me blinking. That would have taken them a day. Me moving my arm. 500 men. I mean, none of them are going home. They're having to do this bit. And now this bit. And this bit. I mean, this should stop. Um, and it shows the person manipulating the figures. And they're bigger than you expect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're miniature, but they're, you know, two feet tall, maybe. Maybe not quite. They're as big as, like... I'd say they're about a foot tall. I think they're bigger than a foot, because they were they were on a table that was waist high, and they standing on the table were going up to his shoulder. Okay. Yeah, that's so they not, were like that's not a foot. No, that's more like two feet. They were bigger than you expect, but they were still miniature. Bigger than a Barbie. <laughs> Quite a bit bigger than a Barbie. There you yeah. go. Yeah, they were like the size of a, you know, an Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Which Optimus Prime? Not one of the like little one mini of the, ones one that the, I had. <laughs> one of the big ones. <laughs> one of the big ones. <laughs> um, what about the uh, voice acting? It's Elle Fanning again. I know. This, this is our third movie that we've done like recently that's had Elle Fanning in it. Apparently we're Elle Fanning and fans. And this time she's British. Yeah, she, she does she, really well. I think she does very well. And the boy, uh, Isaac Hampstead Wright, is best known for being Bran on Game of Thrones. And I really recognized his voice as Bran. He has a little bit of a different accent. But yeah, it's, uh, I like Bran. I like him what, a lot. What, uh, when we watched, um, was it Paranorman, the voice is Rickon? Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's only so many child actors, I, I guess. guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I thought they both did a great job. I want to just shout out to Richard Ayoade, who, like... Hilarious. I, I love, love him. him so <laughs> much. I would love to him to be in anything. I think he should be the 14th Doctor. <laughs> uh, and it was great to hear his voice yep. like, and he's great he's very funny mm-hmm. and he's it was great to see him he was also in, in Babe 2 which we recently watched and podcast about no he was in Paddington 2 Paddington 2 right yeah. he was in Paddington 2 also in terms of voice acting maybe we should just say outright I think the voice acting was really good across the board absolutely absolutely everyone did fantastic, especially Ben Kingsley. I was going to say, sna- as Mr. Snatcher, does both Mr. Snatcher and this like drag character that Mr. Snatcher is doing, and the voice is different between them, and enough different that it's clearly him, but it's also believable that people know it's think it's not him. Yeah, and I think his perform like his voice as Snatcher is just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the standouts to me are 
the two child actors do a great job, and Mr. Snatcher, Ben Kingsley, does a great job, and then Richard Ayoade is playing the voice that he like well, he's not yeah, doing a like, voice. He's, yeah, like the henchmen are all kind of their voices, except for Tracy Morgan is also in this doing like a British accent as well. Doing yeah, kind of a not recognizable as not himself. recognizable as Tracy Morgan at all. No. And he doesn't talk a lot. He mostly like grunts and says a few words, but he definitely is doing uh, when when he actually says sentences, he's got a British accent. So what else in terms of quality? I mean, we could talk about the writing. I don't know that the script either really shone or was uh, bad. Like it mm-hmm. was good and fine. There weren't a lot of like real standout, brilliant moments in the script, except maybe in the henchman's dialogue. But then neither were there parts of the script that I felt like were really bad and clunky. Yeah, definitely. Like it didn't, as a story, it made sense. It was kind of hit all the plot points you'd expect. Yeah. So nothing really, like you say, stood out. Yeah. But also, but it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. It didn't, it did what you expect it to. Yeah, exactly. There was no weird plot diversions or, you know. Mm-hmm. All the Chekhov's guns went off. Yeah, I was thinking there's there's no uh, weird side plots that don't make any sense right. or threads that get dropped or anything. Yeah. It most it's just, but it's not you know a stellar story that I would be like, oh, this is a great story. What they excel at, like you said, Leica, is the visuals, is the beautiful visuals and interesting characters, and the premise is quite. Uh compelling like yeah, just the f- idea of box trolls it's based on a book it's based on a book called here be monsters have you read the book i have not read the book i'm not familiar with the book at all it's an older book i think from the 60s so mm. not one that i'm familiar with but yeah the premise of like there are box trolls and there is a fun premise mm-hmm. um but at the same time fun but not like blisteringly original there are monsters but humans are the real monsters right yeah exactly exactly that's something we've seen a lot and it works mm. as well as we would want it to but it wasn't yeah breaking new ground or anything in yeah. terms of story so how about your personal enjoyment i enjoyed it quite a lot mm-hmm. i think when it comes to my enjoyment of a leica film i'm going to compare it mm-hmm. um among leica films it suffers a little bit from being in the neighborhood of really very, very good movies. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I enjoy it as much as Paranorman. I don't think I enjoy it as much as Coraline isn't really... Coraline was yeah, Coraline pre-Leica? Like or is it like no, a... No, Coraline is like a... So I don't think I enjoy it as much as Coraline. Mm-hmm. I don't think I enjoy it as much as Paranorman. I don't think I enjoy it as much as... Kubo uh, and the Two Strings? Well, Kubo and the Two Strings, if you listen to that episode, I'm conflicted about, right? Mm -hmm. If I turn off, if I allow myself to enjoy Kubo and the Two Strings and not use the critical thinking that makes me angry with it, then I don't like this. I don't have as much fun with this movie as I did with Kubo Kubo. and the Two Strings. But that said, I enjoyed it quite a lot mm-hmm. in comparison to non-Leica movies. Like, Yeah, it's standout. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely say what I like about Box Trolls is that in amongst all the Leica movies, it does seem the least frightening. Like a, mm-hmm. we showed it to our youngest daughter tonight and there was 
a little bit of scariness with the his face got gets all swelled up and weird looking but mostly it doesn't have quite the same intense frightening scenes that the other ones do especially paranorman yeah for sure so i like that about it i like just the the steampunkness of it yeah it's like it's victorian era steampunk that's exactly what this movie is and so it was very much hitting those buttons that came out in 2014, which is a lot, like, kind of maybe the height of steampunk yeah, popularity. Yeah, it might have been. Looking back. And so, I mean, steampunk remains popular, but I think 2014 could probably be, like, the really the height of steampunk. And so, it really hits all those fun notes, and there's just, it's a visual feast. Yeah, and it's, it's certainly... Um, an aesthetic that I enjoy mm-hmm. enjoyed then and enjoy now, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I hate the swollen face from the cheese allergy. Yes. I don't think, like, when we're talking about story, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad element of the story. In fact, it, like, fulfills some thematic purposes. But, like, the visual of that is well achieved, but I hate it. Yeah. I can recognize that they're skillfully doing it but like i would like this i would enjoy this movie more if that wasn't in it yeah absolutely absolutely it's gross i don't want to see it but like him putting even him putting the cheese sticking out his gross tongue and putting his cheese on it is like he's very grotesque yeah but there's a lot about this movie that kind of goes with the grotesque all the bug eating is fairly gross bug eating is gross and i like it hmm but the swollen uh, allergic reaction to cheese is too far for me. Hmm. I have things to say about his body in the too seriously portion mm-hmm. of our show. Yeah. But in terms of just enjoyment, like, they, I think, go too far with his gross allergic reaction is yeah. overly... I don't like... I don't like the leeches when, like, the leeches come and, like, suck his face about with all the swollenness and bring it down. Yeah. Like, yeah that's... The leeches bother me so much less than oh. the just, like, swollen grossness yeah and it's and it's played for grossness too yeah it is so do you want to uh move on yeah let's get into the way Way too too seriously portion of our show in the way too seriously let's start with i my suggestion as an opening gambit does this movie pass the bechdel test (laughs) heck no (laughs) it really really doesn't super doesn't it's I mean, oh wow, you're going to start with that. Let's let's get into that then because man are there no women in this movie except for Winnie Winifred. There are even one of the main women is actually a man. Yep. There is this weird thing where like I understand that thematically they're going for fathers and children and Winifred talks about her father and Egg was given up by his father, who dies and then turns out isn't dead. There's a lot of fatherly things. But Winifred has a mother who's alive and there, and somehow that she does no... They're like, fathers raise you, and mothers aren't existent at all. And Egg would have had a mother. I guess she died, because she's not around. She sure isn't. I think... I mean, if we want to talk about mothers... I think the movie actually would have been better to just never mention Winnie's mother at all. It's worse to draw attention to that, like, they're at the party 
and they meet her mother and she's like, yeah, this is my mother. Okay, let's go on and talk to my father, 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 father. I care about my father. But like, if you had made a whole movie and just been like, mothers, what's that? Yeah. That would have been bizarre. But I would have been like, huh, I guess, uh, like I would have had things to say about the fathers, all the child rearing is being done by the fathers and their good fathers or their bad fathers. But that isn't that interesting. Whereas like here they really draw attention at one point to the fact that mothers exist, but we don't care about them. There are no good fathers in this. Well, there's an absentee father who would have been good if he had raised egg, apparently. But yeah, egg's father, egg's father is not good in his, um, the effect that he has, but he is wishes to be good. He is remove. He, gives up egg because he loves him so mm-hmm. much yeah. he wants him back he once he gets a chance he reconnects with him he guides him as much as he possibly can and helps him as much as he possibly can like there's circumstances that mean he's not able to act as a good father but he yeah. still is a figure of a good father yeah and egg's father figure fish that's what i was about to say i realized that i said that without thinking about Egg is actually raised by a father figure, and that's Fish. Fish yeah. is, and Fish is a very good father. Yeah. He's just a box troll. But I was going to, even before, like, we, you went to Mothers, which is something to go on, and maybe we could, have we covered that? I mean, we've Do covered we that keep... in the sense of, like, there's, yeah, Mothers are just a non-existent thing, except that Winnie does have a mother who's barely in it. And throughout the movie, in terms of Winnie especially, like, she textually is motivated by a desire to earn her father's attention and affection. Mm-hmm. And he is doesn't notice her, right? And that's textually a lot of her motivation is trying to get her father to notice and care about her. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, that can be someone's motivation, for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's a little bit odd. They don't address in any way that she has a mother who presumably does give her affection. And that it is fine that she wants the affection of both parents or of the parents she doesn't have. But, like... They draw attention to the fact that she has a mother, but then don't address at all what her relationship with her mother is in any way. Mm -hmm. And this is weird within the movie by itself, but it's extra troubling because this is not the only movie where people really, really want the attention and affection of their fathers. Father is the parent relationship that we care about a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. There's an extra level because this story of like, your father's attention is the parent's attention that you crave and want and reconnect with your father. And who is uh, Luke Skywalker's father and who is Ray's father and who is everybody's father. And I mean, that adds an extra level that they're not the first movie to be like, your father is the one you care about. What, you have a mother? Yeah, I guess. But your father, right? Yeah. It's just a bit weird. It's a very male-dominated universe. There are no female box trolls. There are no women in this box trolls universe. And like, and maybe we could just assume that, uh, maybe some of those box trail box trolls are women. We don't know. They just don't. Mm -hmm. They're agender, but they're coded very male. Yeah. And. And so, and like, how do box trolls reproduce? Unclear. Maybe they don't because they they're disappearing, and yeah. they're not. Doesn't they don't seem to be increasing in population at all? 
So we definitely use male pronouns for every box troll who gets a pronoun. Yeah. And therefore, there's no textual reason to speculate that some of the, like, we are explicitly told that anyone that we are given a gender for is male. Yeah, absolutely. And why would it matter? I mean, to be really, uh, spell out the obvious, why does it matter that there aren't any female box trolls? Who cares if there are female box trolls? Well, because women are 50% of the population. And so like... What? No, I watch a lot of movies, like 19% at most. (laughs) (laughs) That just like, maybe you could represent that in our fiction. Yeah. That half of all people are women. That just isn't represented in this movie. It's just... It's just yet another example mm-hmm. of every character is male and there's one female and because she has to be and because partly because, I mean, does Winifred have to be female? Yes. No. It's, uh, I have things to say about her as well, but she, uh, is also a bit of a love interest for Egg but they downplay that a lot, actually. I, there's the one scene where they dance together that it makes it feel like they're kind of playing up the romance. But actually, I'm going to take that back because there isn't a lot of romance between them, and that's good. What I was going to say is, uh, I'm interested in what you said you have things to say about Winifred. But before you do, I was just going to say, uh, I don't see a lot of romance between Egg and Winifred. I don't see a lot of playing that up at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see... Uh, reason either plot wise or thematically why she needs to be a girl like i'm glad she is but i i don't think if you see it explain it to me but i don't see why like often there's one girl because or often uh the default character is male and they're female if there is a explicit plot reason why they need to be female often so that they can be a love interest for a male character because compulsory heterosexuality but i don't actually think that this movie fits that because i don't think they're playing up this love interest and i don't think that the story beats change at all if she's uh wilfred instead of winifred yeah, actually, that's what I wanted to say about her is not negative things, but positive things. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, to have this girl character who's, like, into, like, gore and, like, I just can't stop imagining them gnawing off my toes and stringing them together as a necklace. If they kidnapped me and slurped up my intestines like noodles, why aren't they ripping out our eyeballs and eating our faces? And where are the rivers of blood and mountains of bones? I was promised mountains of bones! (laughs) And so, like, she's not your typical, uh, you know, screaming rescued damsel at all. She's very much has lots of agency. She's got lots of uh, interesting characteristics that none of which are stereotypically female. None of them are inversions of the stereotype either. Like, she's not a stereotypical tomboy. She just has... Uh, morbid side yeah. that is hilarious and idiosyncratic and makes her... I think she's a great character, actually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about her, is that, like, despite her being the only female character, she definitely is not 
uh, damseled or anything like that. She's she's an interesting and fun character. And this is what Leica, I find, is good at, is these characters. Mm-hmm. in They design them very well, and they have a very strong sense of who these people are. And, yeah, agreed. Yeah. I mean, and I think in terms of uh, f- characters... In terms of female characters in a Leica movie, she might be the best one. Hmm. Uh, Coraline is the obvious other best female character in a Leica movie, but yeah. they that's a little bit the changes that Leica makes to the book weaken Coraline as mm-hmm. a character quite a bit. Yeah, and maybe we'll uh, do a podcast about that movie sometime. Maybe we will. But, like, Winnie is great. I think she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my big complaint is that in terms of the representation of gender in this movie is that she's the only one. That yeah, it's all exactly. on her shoulders. That And we've talked before about the Smurfette principle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone is male except the one girl. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we get in this movie. And mm-hmm. the fact that the one girl is pretty fantastic mitigates that only a little. Mm-hmm. And the only other women that we do see, like we do see other women at the party in their big ball gowns dancing around, and they all basically, they shriek. Yeah. They are horrified by Egg. Like, that's all they really do. Her mother is horrified that Winnie's dress is dirty. Yeah. And that's really it. We see pearl-clutching women. Is yeah, the only other women we see. I'm not sure... Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I would say everyone in that party, male and female, are pearl-clutching, gasping. Mm. Like, Yes, that is also true. I think it is what it is aiming at and mostly landing is skewing, is a class commentary mm. of like these upper-class mm-hmm. people who are all hoity-toity with their manners and don't care about things that really matter. Yeah, but they're the, the only women the, we see are that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Point absolutely taken. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see one of those henchmen yeah. be a woman. Yeah, totally. Be a henchwoman. Yeah, she, I mean, he calls them stooges. Stooges. So one of the stooges. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a stooge. Am I? <laughs> They're great. I, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the hilarious cross-dressing? Yeah, sure do. What... Is up with that? <laughs> I mean, what? It's different, definitely different than other cross-dressing scenes we've had in movies we've watched. It's he's he is this other character, not really for any reason. This isn't like it's a bit of a deception to like play up that box trolls are evil. Yeah, but there's no real reason that he needs to dress like a woman. No, and so. It lends, I mean, it's the trans character being evil. It's yep. never good. Cross-dressing character being evil. Putting yeah, a man transvestite. Transvesti- than, yeah. So trans. Transvestite rather than being, yeah, he's not transgender. Um, is, yeah, that's a problematic thing. But there's also, like, what exactly are his reasons for doing that? I mean, it's very curious. Let's come back to that in a sec and say some of the more surface uh problems Mm -hmm. with it let's get those out yeah yeah go ahead like and those are the transvestite is evil there's uh some really ill-advised comedy attempt at like 
all the men are like, oh, Madame Frou-Frou, she's so sexy, when it's obvious to us that she's a man in drag from the beginning. Like, and the first time I, it's the second time we've seen this movie, but the first time I watched it, I didn't know for sure that she was going to textually be Mr. Uh, Snatcher. It was obvious that she's being voiced by a man, so I didn't know whether it was like uh, the joke was going to be, ha-ha, she's a manly, ugly woman, or whether the joke was going to be, ha-ha, it's secretly a man in drag. And it was the second one. Either one of those would have been problems, right? And the joke they make jokes about her, about like, oh, she's a woman with some meat on her bones, ha-ha-ha-ha. And it's like gross for being super objectifying and also for gay panic of like, oh, if only they knew that the person they're objectifying is a man. Ha ha. So just like get all that stuff out there mm-hmm. as like, that's all problems and, and really are, is a problem. Yeah, all absolutely. that stuff is, is big problem with the representation of her, him, uh, throughout. Yeah. But there is a question of like what you were saying before of what is his motivation? And like you said, there's some, he tells the story of how box trolls are so evil. So it helps like spread the story. But honestly, that's a very weak motivation for him. Very weak motivation. I mean, he's (sighs) a weakly motivated villain in general. His whole goal in life is just to get a white hat and taste some cheese. Yeah. So there is that, that he is awfully villainous for a small reward. But I feel like maybe if we ridiculously too seriously TM dig beneath the surface to like, he wants to be. Yeah. Drag. He wants to be. A transvestite. And yeah, or, this is or a his, drag queen. He I wants mean, to be a drag queen. There, yeah, that's exactly what it is. We said transvestite, but specifically, he dresses up uh, and performs on mm-hmm. stage. Like, and I, that's where I was going to in my mind was he just like does that because he wants to. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a villainous character, and we. Uh, have said that and it is a villain's character and there are problems with making your uh, drag character the villain. That's not where his villainy lies. No. And that's maybe a point in its favor. Or something. Like, if not quite in its favor, at least in its complication. Yeah. That, like, this is a character who dresses in drag and, like, if I feel like... uh, what this movie is showing us is if he would go and be a drag queen, he wouldn't be villainous anymore. He'd just be an entertaining drag queen. It's when he's dressed as a man that he's doing villainous things. And even his stooges are like the one point when Miss Richard Ayoade, I can't remember which is his character, is like, I thought this was going to be a performance. I brought my mustache. I thought this was all going to be a show like with Free Free. I brought my mustache and everything. Like, he thinks of himself as a performer, as well as an exterminator, and he thinks of himself as a good guy, and part Mm -hmm. of that is the performance. And, like, Mr. Snatcher seems happier when he's being a performer. Absolutely. 
that's all interesting. It is. And maybe he's doing it to make fool to make fools out of the white hats, but he uh, he doesn't really want to. He wants to be part of them. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't want to make fools out of them. No. He doesn't want to be found out. Yeah. So I just really think that what they're showing us is if he could go off and be just be a drag queen, life would be better for everyone. Yep. But sadly, he explodes at the end, I guess. Yeah. That's a bit weird. That's a bit weird. <laughs> Do you want to talk at all about class in this movie? Because, Oof. I mean, basically, while we're talking about Mr. Snatcher, maybe, let's talk mm-hmm. about it from that angle. That he, You said he's poorly motivated. And to be really, again, to say outright, what he wants is to get a white hat and taste cheese more in a more nuanced way a white hat represents social mobility so he has a low class english accent the white hats have high class english accents they don't want him to be one of them he says at one point people like us are never going to be one of them and so he wants a white hat and to be in the tasting room because he wants to make something different of himself and become a higher class person it's all about class mobility And the movie is showing us that that is, and the movie is telling us that that is a futile goal. And it is really showing us that the upper class, the aristocrats, are the most vapid and amoral and uh, ridiculous characters in the movie like they're not as villainous as mr snatcher but they're not outright good. but they're certainly not good no and they're i mean it almost is like explicitly said like this hat is my privilege this white hat is my white privilege that i got by virtue of being rich yeah i worked hard for this hat well i got it because i was very rich yeah like, and that's not spelled even, out that's not even paraphrased yeah you're putting together a few different lines, but that those lines are in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's about privilege and about using privilege uh, and these white hats who don't use their privilege and this red hat snatcher who wants to be a white hat, but he doesn't recognize that a white hat is not a worthy goal because they are not worthy people. Yes, exactly. But in the end, the white hats do win. I guess yeah. he loses his giant cheese. Loses giant cheese. They have it's like a joke <laughs> that's quite funny, but also like don't think about it too hard, too too hard. That we were going to raise money for the children's hospital, but instead we bought this giant cheese, and then the giant cheese rolls away, and he's like, we might as well have just given money to the hospital. Oh uh, yeah, there's some there's some comments on class right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely some comments on class in that and in like, yeah, you could have given the money to a children's hospital. You are vapid and horrible and like you love cheese more than anything else. That is barely parody of the world. Yeah. And the moment when early in the movie, uh, this is what one of the things I was thinking of when I said a Chekhov's gun that goes off early in the movie, Winnie says to her father, like, you'd give up your white hat for me, wouldn't you? And it's a bit weird because it's out of nowhere that she says that. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, uh, Mr. Snatcher has her kidnapped and is like, give me your white hat and you can have your daughter. And 
the father is like, oh, don't you want someone else's white hat? And he, you know, eventually gives it, but doesn't really want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because very textually, the white hats are symbols of privilege and power and not even just power, but like privilege. Yeah. Privilege. And the cheese is also very textually symbolic of privilege. Mm -hmm. And there is something to like the fact that Mr. Snatcher is allergic to cheese when cheese is the symbol of privilege. Yes. Does that mean, is that just underscoring like this is not a worthy goal uh, chasing after privilege that's symbolic but that you don't actually enjoy because it isn't actually something that is has value of itself it only has value because of what it symbolizes and what it symbolizes is only important because of how other people see it and like Mm -hmm. screw that yeah absolutely but there's also a uh, reinforcing of the class that you're in is the class that you're in forever. Mm, and this yeah, low class person is literally allergic to symbols of high class. He yeah. cannot achieve uh, this high class position. There's nothing he can do that can achieve it. And it makes him, it, it you know, his body rejects these symbols of privilege. Or is it saying that your, uh, your lack of high class is bodily? Mm-hmm. It is showing that you there's something about your body that is wrong and can't uh, can't go up to the next class. There's something you know. It's the white hats. It's very you know you yep. can't change yourself to be white if you're not white, and that's and you passing is not going to be successful because your body will give you away. Yeah, yeah. That being said, all the characters in this movie are actually white as in caucasian yeah there's class there's this whole class thing but there's not no race thing no i don't think there's so much as a background character in the town who's of color no that i think is partly uh there's this myth that there's this weird toxic myth that the people that people of color are a new invention yeah. And so period pieces are all white because in the past there weren't any people of color and the Victorian I, era, we didn't have brown people back then. And we can say uh definitively like yaha. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just did a whole like paper on this. Yeah, I'm going further back. Like yeah. I did a paper on I gave a public lecture on how the in the 13th and 14th century and 15th century um the same kind of thing that not everyone was white just because it was the 15th century. Uh, But I wonder if that dumb myth is part of why they don't like even uh, consider making any background characters white. I I mean, any background characters uh, brown because, well, it's the past. Everyone was white in the past. Also, we've established from the next movie that they make that Leica has a problem with race. Yeah. Very true. And... Like, do better. Yep. Calling you out. It worked, yep. for, it worked for Paddington, so maybe we should just yeah, keep when we... on calling you out, and you'll fix it, and it'll be good, it'll be fine, everything will be fixed. Tra-la-la. 
I think so. <laughs> Making the world a better place. Is there anything else in terms of Way Too Seriously that you want to talk about with this movie? I think we've hit the points I specifically wanted to hit. Yeah, um, I don't think that there's anything else that I really wanted to talk about. We could talk a lot longer about class, but I don't think talking a lot longer would yield any greater insights yeah, than we've already hit. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of class issues in this movie, but mm-hmm. they all lead us to the same point, I think. Mm-hmm. And class in, I don't know if, like, as a British company, this just happens to be a very British movie. Yeah, I think they're not. But class is very ingrained in British society, British world so much so that they sometimes don't recognize it themselves. And so yeah. you don't, that it's not even thought about what accent they would all have. Or it is. Or it's very thought out. I, I mean, and I suspect someone like uh, Sir Ben Kingsley mm-hmm. is aware of the class implications of the accent he uses. Yeah. I'm sure it is. There was something else I wanted to mention about this that was uh, not really connected to the seriousness, but box trolls and minions Hmm. are very similar. They both don't speak English, and they're both... They're just like... You're right. They're a little bit minion-esque. And, like, this is around the same time. Like, it wouldn't be... Like, Laker movies take a long time to make because yeah. of them being stop motion. So, like, I don't think one is copying the other at all. But they're just very You're interesting really right. how uh, they both are these, like, multiple trollish characters that don't speak actual words. And that's huh. a thing right now. It's a popular or thing. was, yeah, it still is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, just something to, I don't know, I think about. So... Is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's easily good. Yeah. Is it seriously good? Mm, Yeah, I mean, like, seriously medium. I mean, it's got the... It's got its issues with women and... The the Smurfette principle and the hilarious drag character are the... And the complete whiteness of it. Yeah are the issues. I'm still willing to give it a seriously medium. Yeah. Like, I don't think any of those things are worse than standard. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't put it into the seriously bad column at all. Yeah. It has some points in the seriously bad, but it doesn't get quite pushed over to seriously no. bad. But it's close. It's teetering on that edge. And we can talk... I mean, Leica has a race problem. Let's... While we're talking about seriously things, like in terms of casting, there's actors of color here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, like, you don't get a cookie for that, but, like, we should draw attention to it. That Tracy Jordan and Richard Ayoade, at least. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Jordan is the character. Tracy Jordan is the character he played. (laughs) Tracy Morgan and Richard Ayoade, at least, and maybe other minor characters, too. Yeah. Are actors of color, and, like, we should... Yep, absolutely. Notice that. Notice that. Um, so seriously medium, though. Seriously medium. So that about wraps it up. If someone wanted to talk to us about this movie and agree or disagree with us about our ranking of it, either in terms of goodness or seriously goodness, how, Ojan, would they do that? <laughs> how, indeed. <laughs> you can talk to us on Twitter 
at WTScast. You can send us an email, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. We're on Reddit, we're on Facebook, we're on I already said Twitter. We're on like Instagram. All those links are in our show notes. If you wanted to, if you like what we do, you want to give us a little bit of support or give us some love, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts to help other people find us. Tell your friends, spread the word about Way Too Seriously. Yeah, do that. We struggle sometimes to find an audience for this one because there's not a ready-made fandom like there is for our other podcast. And the other thing to support us is uh, on Patreon. If you support us, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. You can give us as little as a dollar a month and get some extra fun bonus things, just like trivia. Every time we do a podcast, we do a trivia podcast about it afterwards for our patrons. Yeah. You want to know what you're missing? Come see. Come see. So. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And I live in a box. How about you? Wearing some socks. Eating (laughs) some locks. Mm, I can go for some locks right now. Fox and box. Fox and socks and socks and box. Clocks and box and rocks and tocks and fox. Chicks with... Clocks come, chicks with rocks come, chicks with chicks with bricks come, chicks with chicks and bricks and rocks and clocks and talks and socks, sir. Three free trees freeze. Three trees, threes freeze. Like slakes. Just keep going. And stop.